Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. God is looking for a people that have faith. God is looking for a violent people. And so we are training people up. As you know, on this page, about once a month, we are doing spiritual warfare. We're teaching on the demonic because the Lord is showing us that now is the time to train up, not spiritual warriors, but train up spiritual warriors. How many know we have enough warriors in the body of Christ? And John Ramirez is in the chat, so I'm so excited. Thank you, John Ramirez, for being here. Um, He's going to be on here Tuesday. You guys can follow his page, and we'll promote some of the stuff going on as well. But we need spiritual warriors right now. God is looking for militant Christians in the body of Christ. God is not looking for lukewarm, pacifier, pansy believers. There is a lot of pansy, pacifier believers in the body of Christ and right now God is saying I'm looking for spiritual snipers spiritual navy seals spiritual warriors for the kingdom of God that are going to bring down demonic powers that have tried to raise themselves up against the church now is the time where the Lord is saying I'm looking for people that are desperate I'm looking for people that would go to the next level from the kingdom of God is not a stagnant kingdom the kingdom of God is going places it's moving the river is flowing come on share this God does not want us to stay in the same place for a perpetual amount of time spiritually some of you have been in the same place spiritually for your entire life and the lord is saying it is time to grow up it is time to advance it is time to go to the next level and to get out of the shallow end of christianity some of you need to take your floaties off and you need to get into the deep things of god that's why he told peter peter if you live your life fishing in the shallow end you will only catch a couple things here and there maybe you'll see a couple miracles he said peter but if you really want to live out your full potential because you need to go into the deeper things of God. God wants to bring you into a new level. He does not want you to live your life in that same dead church your whole life and never growing in miracles, never growing in deliverance, never growing into a new passion and a new fire. Some of you look back, you're 60, you're 70 right now and you say, Isaiah, I've been in the same place for years. I've never gone to the next level with God and I believe that we are in a time where God says, I need the church to level up we are living guys so below the standard and the mandate that god has given us who am i preaching to tonight this is not a cruise ship this is a battleship we are not here to just cruise by and to live on cruise control and to keep letting the enemy infiltrate and steal our lunch and sit back and be entertained by our watered down sunday morning services we need people that are going to raise to blow the trumpet to raise the banner of god and say the enemy might be all around us but greater is he that's living on the inside of us than he that is inside the world friend you have the same spirit i've said this a thousand times that raised christ living on the inside of you and the devil is not afraid of calm weak tired christians that limp their way into service living on life support come on share this the devil is afraid of a believer that prays the devil is afraid of a believer that fast that calls out to god he's not afraid of 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 believers that are ashamed of the gospel in fact in luke 18 jesus had one major fear and his fear was when the son of man comes back to the earth 
Will he find faith? Because we know that when Jesus comes back, he's going to find large churches. He's going to find evangelists. He's going to find a lot of church functions and a lot of church goers. He's going to find our nice conferences, our podcast, our books, and all of the stuff we do in the church. But Jesus goes, when I come back, come on, will I find a people that can lay hands on the sick and they will recover? Will I find a people that have not been given over to the culture? Will I find a people that are set apart and actually stand out when it comes to the world? Will I find a people that have given up everything for the call of God? Will I find a people that have given them their lives and themselves over to prayer and to fasting? Will I find faith when I come back? This was the cry of Jesus and the concern of Jesus. I mean, think about it. What concerns you? For some of us, it concerns us that we can't pay the bills. For some of us, it concerns us that we our cars broken down or it concerns us that our kids aren't saved. And Jesus goes, if you want to know what concerns me when I look at the state of religion and I look at the state of the church I'm afraid that I'm not going to find people that have faith when I come back remember our calling and our assignment as believers is not to wait for him to come back or die and go to heaven the command was not to wait the command was to go he said I want you to occupy to take over and to establish an invisible kingdom that would never end Jesus is looking for us to establish a kingdom on the earth. That's why in Revelation it says that one day all the angels are going to sing and all the people are going to declare the kingdoms of this world. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost preaching tonight. The kingdoms of this world have now become the kingdoms of our God. How did the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of God? It's because people begin to establish his kingdom on the earth. Friend, you are carrying the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about this tonight. The kingdom of God is living on the inside of you and you've been called to establish a culture, a government that will never end. So wherever you go, you don't get out of bed to go to work. You get out of bed because you're called to establish a government at your job. You don't get out of bed to go to school. You get out of bed because you're called to establish a government at your job. Your kids, you're called to establish God's kingdom in your kid's life because if we don't establish the kingdom of God in our marriages, in our kids' lives, at our job, at work at school and our churches then the enemy will establish his kingdom in the life of our friends, the life of our families, in our marriages. And some of you have allowed the enemy, come on, everybody hit share right now. You have allowed the enemy to establish his kingdom for too long. See, the fruit of the enemy's kingdoms is division, is gossip, is murmuring, is complaining, is uh, envy, is strife, is addiction, is depression, is anxiety. And God says that's the fruit of the kingdom of the enemy being established somewhere or somebody. That's why you can go to your job and say, man, Everybody at my job is depressed. Well, that's because depression has established its government or its throne at your job. That's why you can look at your marriage and say, there's always bickering and arguing and confusion in my marriage. Well, that's because that's the kingdom that's been established in your marriage. Or you look at your kids and there's rebellion and there's anger and there's anxiety and there's fear. Well, that's the kingdoms that have been established in their life. And our calling and our assignment when we're born again is now that we have a new kingdom living on the inside of us. The Bible says that we are no longer, come on, help me preach tonight, that we are no longer in darkness 
darkness, but we've been transferred into light. In other words, you were in the enemy's bank account, and when God saved you, he wired transferred you from the kingdom of darkness, from the devil's bank account, into the kingdom of God, that you have the light of Christ on the inside of you. What fellowship, I'm preaching tonight, what fellowship does light have with darkness? You are no longer a child of the dark. You are no longer a child of Satan. You are no longer a son of the devil. Jesus said that you are no longer slaves of sin, but now you are slaves of God. Now you are my friends. Now you are my family. That now you are my brethren. That at one time, the Bible says we were far off and we were alienated from the things of God. In fact, the Bible says at one time we were at war with the things of God. At one time we fought God and we were enemies to God, but thank God for Jesus that he's come to reconcile us back to the Father. Jesus came and gave us not just reconciliation, but the Bible says that he's given us, come on, I came to preach tonight, that he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, that we reconcile those that are far off under the power of the enemy back to God. Everything we do is to reconcile people back to God. Isaiah, why are you so big on deliverance? Because in deliverance, we're breaking the demonic powers that are trying to separate you from the presence and the power of God and a relationship with this man named Jesus. And when we bring authority and power and the kingdom of darkness gets destroyed in your life, you're able to clearly see the kingdom of God. So understand that this is a violent kingdom. This is a global takeover. And God did not call us just to sit in churches, although it's necessary to gather as the body of Christ. God called us to establish his kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven. This is about a global takeover. And I believe the Lord has been showing me that it is time for the church to come out of the closet. Yes, I said it. I was going to label the stream that, but I thought some of y'all might freak out. It's time for the body of Christ to come out of the closet. That word come out of the closet, according to the dictionary, it means to go public about your beliefs. And my question, question to you is why are you so private about your beliefs? Why are you living private what Jesus did in public? Jesus died publicly, not so that you can live privately. Jesus said, I did not die so you can live your life a secret undercover Christian. Why are you so private? I want you to ask yourself this tonight. Come on, share this. Why are you so private about the things of God? Why are we so ashamed about the move of God in our life? Listen, I'm not guilt tripping you into sharing the stream. I don't need you to be honest to share the stream, but it tells where we're at when we are ashamed to share our church's live stream. We are ashamed to share scriptures. We are ashamed to post about God. Let me tell you why we don't want to post about God. Let me tell you why we don't give our testimonies on our Facebook. It's because we don't want our unsafe friends and our unsafe family to think we're weird and we'd rather be considered normal than be considered biblical. Let me say that again for some of you sitting in the back tonight. We would rather be considered normal than be considered biblical. But if there's anything that I want to be known for, I want to be known to walk in the presence and the power unashamedly of the power of God. I don't want to live my life ashamed of what God is doing in my life. What's amazing is how open you are about your life 
but how closed you are about Jesus. You share the struggles in your marriage on Facebook. Listen, some of y'all getting up here on Facebook sharing about the struggles you're having in your marriage and you're posting, oh, please pray for my husband. He's out doing this again as if your husband can't see your post. Some of you are so public about your relationships and your breakups and so-and-so broke your heart again and so-and-so broke this again. I have people I know on my friends list that this last week are posting the most crazy stuff about their breakups and about the fight in their marriage and we're just public about everything and the enemy has gotten our generation public about everything that doesn't matter and private about everything that does matter the enemy wants us to be public about negative things but not be public about positive things some of you feel like you just can't eat unless you share about it you feel like you just can't have a meal without sharing who you're eating with or sharing what restaurant you're at some of you feel like you can't read your bible if you don't post about it and you just feel like you just need to share everything i know some of you share your weight loss journey, praise the Lord. Some of you share your gym sessions and praise the Lord. I think that's awesome. Some of you share about your new car and your new job and you got a new promotion last year and we're still we're still hearing about your new job and you're just so public about everything, sharing about your political preferences. You're getting in battles with everybody online about who they voted for and about the Democratic Party, about the Republican Party, about the nominee, about this and about that and you're arguing and fighting with everybody about things that don't matter in the eternal realm. You argue and debate whether we should wear a mask. Well, should I wear a mask and should I do this? And you're just arguing and debating and sharing. But then I'm wondering, what about what God is doing in your life? Why are you private? I know I'm losing some of y'all. This is a little bit too much and you didn't come ready for this tonight. But why are you so private about what God is saying to you right now? Why are you so private? Why are you so private about the move of God happening in your life? And could it be possible? I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just saying, could it be possible that we're so private about what God is doing in our lives? because God is not doing anything at all. Maybe the thing is that we don't have nothing to share because God is not doing anything because we're not cultivating an atmosphere by the way, I'm barely getting started here. An atmosphere of signs and wonders and miracles of prayer, of holiness, of fasting, of knowing the word of God in our everyday lives. And maybe we don't really have anything to share. It's amazing how we can go on and on and on about our hobbies, about our passions, about our favorite shows, about our favorite team. But we struggle to conversate for four five minutes about what Jesus has done in our life or what Jesus is doing in our life. Often times when I travel and we go to dinner after and if you're a pastor you know me you're in the chat you know this is true I have to apologize because I oftentimes and my wife don't say anything here honey I often dominate conversations I'll often go to dinner and they'll oh how what's God doing in your life or what's God doing in your ministry what do you feel like God is saying and I will go on for 30 minutes about what I feel God is saying or doing and I get excited I start preaching and preaching and preaching because it's what God is doing in my life God is stirring something into me guys I'm not getting on here giving you recycled sermons all the time or giving you recycled messages because God is doing something fresh when I open the word of God. I've been preaching for 10 years. I preached over a thousand different sermons and oftentimes I go, how could I open the Bible and get a new word in my own flesh? I don't understand it, but then I realize that God has the ability to get you to read something you've read a thousand times and you could go deep places in something you've read a thousand times, preached a thousand times, and God will begin to reveal new things to you. And I believe God is saying, I want to reveal some new stuff to you. I'm not, I'm not looking for people that are ashamed of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. God has not given you, the Bible says, the spirit of fear. Now we all preach that and we say, 
God has not made us afraid of the coronavirus and God has not made us afraid of religion and God has not made us afraid of that and God has not given us a spirit of fear when in reality the context of that verse was not fear the way that we consider fear but the actual context of the verse was God did not give you a timid spirit and you're shrinking back timid about your faith and timid about what God is doing and what God is saying but God is saying you have to understand that I'm not the one making you timid about your faith I'm not the one making you shy about about what you believe the devil I'm confused by this because the devil is so bold about everything he's doing and we're so timid about everything God is doing let me say that again God, the devil is so bold about everything he's doing in our generation and we are so timid about what God is doing in our generation stop shrinking back at that family party stop shrinking back on Facebook when people oh I got to change the camera angles I got to talk to somebody tonight stop shrinking back when people try to get up on your Facebook page and try to troll you and tell you what you should be sharing on your page. Do not get your old friends and your old family trying to get up on your Facebook page and trying to correct you about the move of God. I'm going to stay on this for a minute because I feel the fire of the Holy Ghost. Don't be letting those trolls get up on your page and try to tell you if God can heal or not heal. You post a video about the healing power of God and all your old friends want to show up that don't know the Bible. All your religious family want to show up that don't pray, don't have a fire, have no fruit in their life and they want to start saying oh I don't know if that's real and I don't know if she really got healed and I don't know if deliverance is really for today get out of here with all that I don't believe deliverance is for today just because you've never seen a demon cast out just because you're listening to demons and just because the church that you go to is dead don't try to get up on my page and try to troll me on my page by the way it's my page not your page and you came up in here and tried to bring your two cents and nobody asked you for your two cents I'm posting something on my page so stop shrinking back now some of you you don't have a backbone and so you post something and people start trolling you and you just go ahead and delete it because you just get afraid oh my gosh I don't want to argue it what delete the comment and use the unfriend use the ban button do not be afraid to smack them with the ban hammer and say I'm not throwing my pearls to swine and if you want to argue if you want to try to cuss me out you can take that somewhere else because ain't nobody got time for that someone said bye Felicia ain't nobody got time for that get off my page with all of that I'm not going to allow the opinions of my family I'm preaching to somebody or my friends sway me away from what the Word of God says and what God is saying and what God is trying to do in my life don't shrink back and don't stop when people at work try to intimidate you and they try to bully you no 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 I have the Spirit of Almighty God and the Spirit that is inside of me is greater than the Spirit is inside of you of course the demonic powers are going to try to oppose you. Of course, they're going to try to get you fired. Of course, your coworkers don't like you. You walked up in that place and said, man, everybody likes me, but all of a sudden, no one at my job likes me. You got to know that it's not them that doesn't like you. It's the spirits that are functioning on the inside of them that don't like the spirits that are functioning on the inside of you or the spirit that is functioning called the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and to stop apologizing for being radical is the enemy I want to ask you guys this very clear tonight is the enemy am I loud enough for y'all somebody needs to help me up in this chat is the enemy apologizing for addicting our kids is the enemy apologizing for infiltrating our marriages is the enemy apologizing for bringing witchcraft and magic into the cartoons of our kids shows is the enemy apologizing 
apologizing for destroying this country? Is the enemy apologizing for putting sexual content literally everywhere? You cannot get online without seeing somebody half naked. Is the devil going out saying, I just really want to apologize for just being a little bit too radical and ravaging your family? I don't, I've never gotten a letter from the devil saying, I just want to apologize, Isaiah, for trying to destroy your marriage and destroy your ministry and destroy your kids and destroy your city and destroy this country. The devil is not apologetic. Why are we so soft in the church and we want to apologize? This is good preaching, y'all. If you don't like this, I'm preaching myself tonight. And we're trying to apologize over speaking in tongues. And we're trying to tell our old friends and family, oh, I know, I, you know, I know you don't believe in speaking in tongues. I'm sorry. This is just how we do it. Don't be bringing up people up in your church and trying to tell your friends and family that you're bringing up in your church. Oh, we have, I apologize at our church. We speak in tongues. I know you're not used to that. Well, maybe they should get used to the Bible. Maybe they should get used to the move of the spirit. Don't be up apologizing that you spoke in tongues. I will never on this channel get up in here and start trying to apologize as to why I prayed in tongues or try to apologize as to why I preach on deliverance. I'm not apologizing to none of y'all as to why I'm preaching on deliverance. I don't care if I preach on deliverance for the next six months for every single week and you go, oh, is that all you talk about, Isaiah? Is that all you preach on is deliverance? I am not apologizing for destroying darkness. I'm not going to let the enemy bully me out of preaching the word. I'm on a roll tonight, y'all. I'm feeling, I'm feeling fierce tonight. I'm I'm not going to let the enemy bully me out of preaching the word of God. And just because your pastor and just because your church lets the enemy bully them out of preaching the scripture, I'm not letting the enemy come up and bully me up in my stream, in my page. This is not your page. I don't know if you saw, but on the top of the page, it says Isaiah Saldivar. And as for me and this page, we're going to preach the word of God. And we're not going to apologize for believing that marriage is between one man and one woman. We're not going to apologize if it goes long in our services or we get a little bit too radical or we're a little bit too loud i have people i just not into that whole loud thing okay if you're not into passionate preaching, if you're not into loud preaching, then there's a thousand other pages I could point you to where people are going to stand there and talk monotone. Praise the Lord for them. I'm just letting you know this is not that page and I will be unapologetic. Paul says, I'm not ashamed and I'm not apologizing. I'm tired of having to fake it to try to make people feel comfortable. I'm tired of you walking like, oh my gosh, demons, I'm so scared. Oh, run. It's because you don't read the Bible and so you're scared of what the Bible says for for us to do. You're scared of what the Bible says is the unknown, but I'm telling you, and I'm as I lose my voice, that God is raising up an unapologetic people that are not going to be prissy and walk on eggshells and have to always try to maintain a good relationship with ungodly people. If God says for you to do it, you don't owe anybody an apology. It's time to stop acting fake and realize that God is looking for a real people. Acting fake in church is like getting dressed up to go get your x-rays done. How many know that if you wear a nice suit to go get x-rayed at the hospital, it doesn't matter what you wear because the x-ray can see right through you and fake Christians try to dress up. They act fake in prayer. They act faked in church. They act faked as Christians and God is saying, stop being fake. See, I understand that whenever you lose your prayer life, you have to fake it as long as you can make it. And But you have to realize that prayer is the driving force of the Christian life. Prayer is the 
the oxygen to the believer. Prayer is the only thing that can keep you going. I'm telling you right now, and y'all need to stay on this. Do not get off. Share this stream because I got this some, some very important stuff to keep sharing with you. Prayer has to be the driving force in your life. You will not survive. Let me say this loud and bold. You will not survive without a prayer life. You can pretend you're surviving. Some of you are on life support tonight and you pretend like you're surviving, but you know even now as I'm preaching that deep down inside, you know that you're dying spiritually. You're dying on the inside. You know that religion is killing you and you're trying to save face, and you're trying to act like there's a passion in you. You're trying to act like there's a fire in you. You're trying to act like there's a desperation in you, but the Lord says, stop faking it till you make it, and let me heal you. Let me deliver you. Let me set you free tonight. See, for so many of us, prayer is not our steering wheel. Prayer is our spare tire. Let me say that again. For many of us, prayer is not our steering wheel. It's our spare tire, and we only get it out and when we need it and we neglect it most of the time we pull it out when we get in an accident when we mess up and when times get hard and we neglect our prayer life when until we feel like God has neglected us and then we run to God in prayer but God says stop making prayer your your spare tire and start making prayer your steering wheel and say Lord I'm going to let my prayer life steer me in the right direction and the enemy is trying to get me off track the enemy is trying to distract me but I need to start treating God like the God that he is in the Bible not the God he is according to the American church I'm telling you God is not is not our butler that we call on when we need him God should not just be our fire insurance God should not be our last resort there's major fires going on right now in California and you know they've been bugging me like you should get renters insurance I rent a house and they've been bugging me for years you need to get renters insurance you need to get renters insurance and my wife's always like honey I think we should get renters insurance and I'm just like no because I'm cheap and I don't want to get renters insurance and we're going to be fine. And then now, you know, there's smoke all up in the air and I'm not worried. I know that we're going to be fine, but I'm just thinking, okay, a lot of people's homes are getting burned. And now that trouble comes, I'm starting to think maybe I should get renters insurance now. Okay. I'm starting to think maybe I shouldn't neglect it. And some of us are like that with God. We don't really call on him. We treat him like he's some type of insurance policy. And the only time we call upon the Lord is when we need the Lord and we neglect him until time of trouble. And then when trouble comes, what do we do? Lord, I promise God that if you get me out of this, my wife's saying you should have listened to me. I see those comments, okay? You say, Lord, I promise if you get me out of this situation, I'll never drink again. Lord, if you get me out of this situation, I'll never sleep around again. Come on, some of y'all, give me a one in the chat if you prayed this before. I lost track of how many times I prayed this in the world. Lord, I promise if you get me out of this or you get me this job, I'll never I'll serve you the rest of my life and here's what you're really saying you're saying that you'll serve him until he gets you out of trial but you know the moment that God delivers you the moment that God gets you out of trial you're going to go right back to ignoring him like you did before you got the job the moment you get the promotion the moment you get the job, you will go right back to ignoring the presence of God, to ignoring the fire of God, to ignoring sacrificing at the altar, to ignoring laying your hands on the sick, casting out demons, and it'll be like some of you that used to drink like I used to drink, okay, I used to be uh, straight up drinking every single day, and then I, would, I remember day after day being hungover, I'm never drinking again, and then at 9 o'clock you get the call that there's a party and you're out drinking and you're doing what you said you'd never do, and this is the way that we act with the 
the things of God. We say, Lord, if you do this one more time for me, I will lay my life down. And the Lord is saying, I'm looking for people that are going to be consistent and they're not just going to serve me from what I can do for them. Eternity is a long time to reflect on where you went wrong. I'm telling you, now is the time. There's an urgency as we preach. Come on, share. There's 700 of you right now. There is an urgency as I preach to get your life right now so you don't have to live in eternity reflecting on where you should have changed, reflecting on what you could have done and looking back saying, why did I live my life putting things off? Just like I put off getting renter's insurance for years. Some of you keep putting off getting a prayer life and you listen to me preach and truth be told, you love the preaching and you get excited and you get show bumps and you feel the Holy Ghost and you say, Isaiah, I'm at the edge of my seat. I'm binge watching your podcast episodes. But then you look at your life and say, man, I keep putting off the fact that I need to get together my, my prayer life together. You keep putting off the fact that you need to begin to fast. You need you keep putting off off the fact that there's spiritual things that God wants you to do. There's a closeness that God wants you to have with him. And God is saying, when are you going to stop putting it off? And when are you going to begin to do it? Now, some of you might say, well, Isaiah, don't be so negative, but here's what I need you to understand. I'm trying to help you. I'm looking at what's wrong. Can you imagine being in a doctor's office and saying, doctor, don't be so negative when the doctor diagnoses you with cancer. I mean, imagine telling a news reporter when they're reporting on all the fires that we need to evacuate. Telling the news reporter, don't be so negative about all the fires going on. Imagine telling a firefighter as he's yelling for you to get out of your house. There's a fire about to burn you up. Uh, don't be so negative and yell at me, Mr. Fire firefighter. Imagine telling the army, don't talk so much about the enemy when they're trying to strategize on how to conquer. Understand, stop justifying radical preaching with, oh, just don't be so negative and say, Lord, I hear the shouting. I hear the screaming. I'm telling you, the deeper the church sleeps, the louder the Lord is going to yell and the louder the Lord is going to shout. And if you don't think shouting is biblical, go read your Bible. When God would give prophets a prophetic message, he would say, go shout this to Israel. Why would God tell the prophets to shout? We're not deaf. As many of you say, Isaiah, I'm not deaf. Now, some of y'all love the live stream because you could just turn me down and I'm not shouting. When you come hear me preach in person, you're like, oh, my ears hurt. So you could just turn down the live stream. But understand, why did God tell the prophets to shout to the people? Because God says, if you don't shout, the people are not going to take you serious. And they're just going to think you're just another random messenger, somebody trying to give them some self-help. He said, so I need you to shout. Come on, can I get a one? Can somebody, does somebody hear me tonight? He said, I need you to shout. So they recognize the seriousness of the moment because even though you're a believer, there is still a war going on even now. All throughout scripture, God would say that here is the promise, but even though I've given you the promise, there are still enemies you're going to have to fight. Oftentimes, God will bring us into promises or into destinies and God will clean our life and wash us, but there are still enemies. Now, some of you have gotten delivered in your believers and so you know what I'm preaching on. I got delivered and I was a Christian. Okay. And so, you know what I mean? That even though God has given us territory or given us opportunity, there are enemies that are in the land. See, oftentimes God would leave the enemies, the Bible says, so that he could teach the people how to fight. If there were no enemies to fight, then we would become weak and cowardly. But God is saying, I want my church to be a militant church. That is why when Paul breaks down the spiritual gifts, this is for all of you that don't believe Christians could be attacked by demons. When Paul breaks down the spiritual gifts, he talks about the gift of the 
discernment, which is used when we do deliverance. And Paul says these gifts are for the church. These gifts are not for the world. These gifts are for the church. Now, Paul, if uh, deliverance was not for the church, if deliverance wasn't for the church, why is the gift of discernment for the church? Because there is warfare. There is a battle that we are fighting. God is into warfare. Our God is a warring king. He's coming back to declare an all-out war um, from for the kingdoms of this world. God is going to establish a throne violently. The Bible says that his robes are dripping in blood. It's not his blood the second time. It's the blood of his enemies. The first time he came, he had robes of his own blood. The second time he comes, this is the blood of his enemies. God is coming with violence. You are serving a warlord. Our God is not weak. Our God is not far off. Come on, share this. Our God is not a coward. That is why Paul says, that there is armor in the battle that we are facing, uh, that we are not fighting a natural battle, but there is armor in the spirit that we need to be able to fight. Uh, understand that God is a God of processes, uh, and God knows that there are many things he wants to give you that you can't handle. Uh, that's why in Exodus 13, when the Lord delivered them from Egypt, uh, when God brought the people out, the Bible says that God did not bring them through the main route, uh, which runs through the Philistine territory, even though it was the short route. But the Bible says that because if the people face battle, they might change their minds and go back to Egypt. But the Bible says that God led them through the long route or the roundabout way through the wilderness. God says this, there is a process that I have to bring you to, to be able to build character so you can handle the promise. See, one thing that I found about God, and this is going to help you tonight, come on, share this, is that God will often show you the promise. God will often tell you about the promise, but he never actually mentions the process. The night I got saved, I saw myself preaching on stages. Everything I'm doing right now, I saw 10 years ago when I got saved as an atheist at an altar. And God showed me the promise, but what God did not show is the process. God, oh, come on, somebody help me preach tonight. God did not mention all the sleepless nights. God did not mention all the people that would backbite me and that would backstab me. He didn't mention all the drama, all the gossip, all the warfare. He didn't mention all the sacrifice and all the hatred people would have towards me. He just only showed me the promise. But you know what I've learned about the process? That if it had not been for the process, oh, come on, somebody help me preach up in here. If it had not been for the process, if it had not been for the sleepless nights and for the tough times, I would have never been able to handle the promise. All the stuff that he's done for me, all the stuff that he's done for you. You got to thank the Lord for the process. See, I didn't realize that every time somebody talked bad about me and I humbled myself, I was building character for for the promises that God had for me. I didn't realize uh, that every time someone my fa- someone in my family got hurt or something bad happened, uh, I was building character for the promise. Uh, see, there is a process that the potter will put the clay through. Uh, the process, there's a molding, there's a breaking, there's a bending. Come on, somebody. There's a shaking. Has anybody been up in the bending this year? Uh, has anybody been in the molding this year? Uh, has anybody been in the breaking and the shaking and the, and the, and the changing? Uh, and God says, I'm trying to mold you. I'm trying to shape you. Uh, I'm trying to re- reconstruct you. I'm trying to do a new thing on the inside of you. And let me just show you something tonight. Oftentimes as believers, we get mad because we live in the present, but we have to understand that our God lives in the future. We are in the present waiting for the future to happen. But God says, I'm in the future waiting for the present to catch up. See, some of you are mad at your situation right now because you're seeing it from the present. And you don't understand that God does not see things from the present. Come on, share this right now. 
God says, I see things from the future. God has already seen your future. And here's what you need to understand that God has your best interest in mind, that God's your, your, um, your wants and your needs and your requests are on God's calendar and on God's to-do list. He's already seeing what's going to happen if you marry that person. He already seen what's going to happen if you get that job. He's already seen what's going to happen if you move in with them. He's already seen what's going to happen if you buy that thing or if you date that girl. Come on, somebody help me tonight. He already saw what's going to happen if you go down that road, if you take that path. And so don't get mad at God. Somebody needs to hear me tonight. Don't get mad at God when he takes you the long way because it's the long way where you develop character. It's the long way where you grow. It's the long way where you get to know God. Everybody knows what I'm preaching. When you were with that guy or that girl where you first got married or you first started dating and you were coming home from the movies or coming home from the football game or coming home from wherever it is you were going and you were taking the scenic route, you were taking the long way and you'd circle the driveway. I mean, you'd circle the the, um, the block a couple times and you'd park out up in the driveway and then y'all would sit up in the car for about an hour and a half and talk and, oh, I got to go. Oh, no, don't go. Oh, I got work. And you're arguing back and forth. It's the long way because you wanted to spend more time. Sometimes God will bring us in with the long way or bring us through the long way to develop and to spend more time molding and shaping us. Has anybody ever felt in this chat tonight like you've been on the long road? Has everybody ever seen the promises of God that were right there and you said, God, I feel like it's taking longer than it should to get me where you want to get me. I feel like it's taking longer than it should for my marriage to get healed. I feel like it's taking longer than it should for you to find somebody to marry. I feel like it's taking longer than it should for this to happen or for that to happen or my ministry to go. But understand that the reason that the Bible says that God didn't take them on the fast track was because on the fast track, oh, this is preaching good tonight, uh, there were battles that they were not ready to fight uh, and that they could not handle. It seemed shorter and easier, but there were battles that only God can see. Uh, See, sometimes you have to be patient because I came to tell somebody that God can see what you don't see. You say, God, open this door in my life, and God says what you got to understand about that door is I see a battle behind the door that you're not ready to fight. You're not strong enough enough yet to be alone in that car with that girl. You're not strong enough to be around those gossipers. You're not strong enough to go minister to drug addicts. You're not strong enough to go witness to your old friends. You're not strong enough to handle preaching before thousands. I know there's some of you that say, Lord, if I only had a platform like Isaiah, if you only let me preach to the masses, oh, how I would preach. But the Lord says there's still some pride in you. I got to get out of you. You're not strong enough yet. You got to thank God that he closed the door. Come on, somebody help me. You ought to thank God that he broke up that relationship. You ought to thank God that you lost the job that you couldn't handle. You ought to thank God that he let that thing you prayed for so long about not work out. They might have changed your mind. I see people change their minds. See, God says, if I bring them through the short route, that they might change their mind and go back to bondage. I've watched people go back. I've watched people change their mind. The moment they begin to battle, the moment temptation comes, and the moment things get rough, they go right back to where they come from. But God says, I'm trying to help you avoid these things. Some of you, even though God says this, you still choose the fast route and you find yourself in battles that you can't win. You find yourself falling in that lust again because you can't handle being on the computer.
computer past 10 o'clock. You find yourself texting that guy or that girl or that old drug dealer because you can't handle the battle that you found yourself fighting because you tried to take shortcuts. And let me tell you tonight, the secret to Christianity, the secret to Christianity is there is no secret. The secret to Christianity is there is no fast tracks. Uh, there is no shortcuts. Uh, this is a long race that takes patience, the Bible says. Uh, this is a long race that takes time, the Bible says. Uh, that you can't fake your way out. You can't shortcut your way out. Uh, it takes effort. It takes endurance. It takes tears. It takes bloodshed. Uh, this is a war and the fight is never easy. Uh, I got good news for somebody. Come on, help me preach tonight. Uh, I got good news for somebody that the one that lives on the inside of you beat every trial you're going to face. If you're facing depression, Jesus beat it on the cross. If you're facing stress, Jesus beat it on the cross. If you're facing anger, Jesus beat it on the cross. If you're facing addiction tonight, Jesus says, I have already beat it on the cross. Stop fighting the long route and realize that God has you on this route for your own good. He says, I don't want you to perish and I don't want you to die on the short path. See, the path that God takes them on, which is the long route, is an indicator of where they really are. God says, I can't take them on the short path because they're not ready to fight what's on the path. When you're on the long road, listen to me because there's a lot of you on the long road tonight. When you're on the long road, I need you to understand you're on the long road because that's the road God knows you can handle. And God says, I'm not going to take you places in the spirit that you're not ready to go. You can't handle the battles on the fast track. See, God knows that some of you can't handle more money. You're saying, Lord, 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 give me more money. Give me more finances. And the Lord says, if you can't be faithful and tithe on the thousand, why would I give you the 10,000? If you can't be faithful with the 10,000, why would I give you the 100,000? This is all about your stewardship level and what you're able to handle. And God is saying, I'm not going to give you more than you can handle and more than you can bear. Some of you are asking, God for a new relationship and let me just say this as candid as possible some of y'all can't handle yourself let alone the new relationship some of you can't keep your room clean some of you can't keep your mouth shut and some of you can't keep your car vacuumed how are you going to handle a relationship some of you can't get up show up to work on time how are you going to handle a relationship some of you can't even handle feeding yourself how are you going to handle a relationship come on somebody help me preach tonight God says you're not ready for a relationship some of you go God I want more kids I want more kids the Lord says you can't even handle the kids that you got you better thank God when God doesn't answer a prayer. Some of you, the truth is that God's not opening the door because the Lord is saying that you can't even handle the new doors that he wants to open. See, God says that if I bring them through the short path, who am I preaching to tonight? He says, if I bring them through the short path, they will quit if they see war. If they see, this is what your Bible says that the moment that they see battle or one translation says they're threatened with battle, they will go right back to Egypt because they're not ready to fight the battle. The moment they see the warfare and how tense the warfare is, they are going to run back to Egypt because they're not ready to fight. The slaves, remember, these are slaves that are coming out of Egypt and they are not battle ready. They're not prepared to fight. Understand that they didn't even bring weapons out of Egypt, okay? They brought gold and they brought money 
money and they brought this and they brought animals, but they didn't even bring weapons out of Egypt. These people are not ready to fight. They are used to being slaves and they are used to being told what to do. And this is exactly like the American church today. We're not used to fighting. We're used to being slaves. We're used to being told what to do from the enemy. But God is saying, I'm raising up some people that are going to be warriors and mighty in my kingdom. I'm raising up some people that are not going to run from the battle, but going to run towards the battle that you might be on the long route even now as I preach, but it's time to come clean and say, Lord, I need you to purify and to sanctify and to wash me and to renew me because there is battles that God is trying to bring you into that you're not ready for. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. Here's what I need you to understand that every blessing that you get comes with a weight or a responsibility with the blessing. And if you're not ready, God will not give it to you. Understand that people get divorced because they couldn't handle the weight that marriage brought on their lives. People quit their jobs because they can't handle the weight that's been put on them. How many of you know people that go from relationship to relationship? How many of you know people that go from job to job to job? The reason why they jump from person to person is because they can't handle the weight of being in a relationship. The reason why they go from job to job is they can't handle the responsibility of the job. The reason why we get all these church hoppers in America is because we can't handle the weight and the responsibility of submitting in the house of God. And there is a weight to your blessing. Some people end up leaving their kids. They put their kids up for adoption or foster care because they can't handle the weight that the kids brought on them. There's many young people right now that get married. I know many people like this and some of y'all are in the chat. You're here. You hear me and you are this and you get married and you're young and you're excited and you get married. And then what happens is young people begin to want to get divorced because they're immature. They still want to go party and they did not realize that there was weight when they got married and when they begin to have kids and because they tried to take the short route and they did not let God develop them in the secret place they weren't ready for the weight when it shows up so a lot of you women say oh man my husband he just wants to play video games all day. He neglects our kids. He neglects our marriage. He doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't want to go work. And then some guys say, my wife, she wants to be an Instagram model. She thinks she's going to be an actor and she wants to go off and hang out with her girlfriend still. Meanwhile, there's three kids at the house. Listen, y'all, I tell my wife this all the time. Okay, we're not cool. We have a minivan. Let's just get over it. Those days are long and gone. There's a weight to the blessing and the responsibility. And if you're saying, man, I want to get married, understand there's a responsibility. If you say, man, I want to have kids understand there is a responsibility. I got a fourth kid on the way and it's very easy to say, oh my gosh, we can't go do this or oh my gosh, I'm up this or I have to change diapers, I have to do this. But understand that it comes with the blessing. It comes with the territory and the grass is only greener on the other side because you're not willing to water your grass. There's two main reasons why the grass is greener on the other side. Reason number one is you're not willing to water your grass or reason number two, the grass on the other side is fake. And I've come to find there's a lot of people that are presenting fake grass and you look at other people say, oh, if I could only be like so-and-so, look how they got it all together. They might have it all together on Instagram, but you don't see them at home when nobody sees them. They might have it all together at church, but you don't see them when nobody else sees them. And so before you start being envious of somebody else's blessing, understand the weight of the blessing. Before you start being envious of somebody else's 
spouse's anointing. Understand the weight of the anointing. A good trainer does not bring you in the gym. Is this good preaching, y'all? Can I get a one in the chat if this is good? A good trainer will not bring you in the gym and put 200 pounds on you the first time you work out. And if a good trainer is not going to put the weight on you, then why would God? See, what you need to understand about God and understand about blessings is that sometimes God will allow you to fail at things because God knows you're not ready for the promotion. See, a good teacher is willing to fail their student because he knows that if he passes this class, he's going to go into a class the next tier up or the next class that he's not ready for. One of my greatest fears in college was that I was going to pass a class that I was not supposed to pass. Okay, some of y'all aren't getting this. This is weird. You're like, what do you mean you're afraid to pass? There was classes in college like math that I was afraid of passing because I knew that if I passed the class, then I would have to go to a harder class and I couldn't even handle the class that I was currently in. And so a good teacher does not just pass all the students because they're nice or they love them. A good teacher will actually let you fail the class, give you a D or an F because he knows that if he passes you, he's going to set you up for failure because you're not ready to go into the next level or the next dimension. So it's better to fail you where you're at than to promote you into a place that you're not ready for. See, some of you have failed several times and the good thing about the Lord is the Lord will let you retake the class and the Lord will let you retake the route. Understand that when God took them through the long way, the only reason that they were mad is because they had knowledge that there was a faster way to get there and sometimes we trust what we know about something rather than what God is saying about something. Sometimes we know that there's a quicker way to get there and the frustration comes when God has us on the long route even though we know there's a quick route and we say God I know better than you and I know the quicker way to get there and the better way to get there and so we rush getting married oh somebody needs to help me preach tonight and we rush buying the new house and we rush buying the car and our banker or our um, our, our, our real estate agent says uh I really don't think you could afford this house and you rush it and you push it and you get it and then now you have the house you can't afford you got to work overtime you can't see the kids it's because you rush the blessing you can get there but understand there's multiple ways to get to the promised land and sometimes the fast route is not the right route that's why when Jesus came to the disciples after they toiled all night long and the disciples were trying to say oh my gosh we don't understand how to fit we don't we don't understand why we can't fish uh, catch fish we're professional fishermen and God comes comes and says, oh, maybe you should throw it over here. And the disciples are like, how are you going to tell me how to fish when we know how to fish? Who do you think you are trying to tell me how to live my life? But understand the reason why Jesus was able to tell the disciples where to throw their nets or where to fish is because God lives in the future. God was flowing through Jesus. The father was speaking to the son and the father is already living in the future, waiting for you to catch up. And so he sees what's on the path that you don't see. That's why we use our Jesus. GPS, even though we only go 10 minutes and we know where we're going, we still use GPS. When I took my daughter to gymnastics on Wednesday, I know how to get to the gymnastics place. It's 10 minutes away. But I understood the reason why I typed it in on the GPS is because the GPS will tell that where tell me where the traffic is. The GPS will tell me where the collisions are. The GPS will tell me where the roads are closed. The GPS will tell me where the hazards are. And even though I know how to get where I'm trying to go, the GPS will help me navigate 
navigate the right path. And some of you are stuck in traffic in your destiny and you're mad that you didn't listen and take the right road that God tried to tell you to go down. But understand that God is bringing you the long way for a purpose. But if you're on the long road right now, can I get somebody to say amen in the chat? Then you are exactly where God wants you. Now, the long way was through the wilderness, the Bible says. Let me just talk for a minute here about the wilderness, okay? The wilderness is the place where God weans you off of emotions. The wilderness is the place that God isolates you. The wilderness is the place that God develops you. The wilderness is the place that God strengthens you. The wilderness is the place that God grows you. You say, Isaiah, I lost all my friends when I got saved. Isaiah, I feel so alone. I feel separated like nobody understands me. I feel so distant from my family ever since I left Egypt. And I came to tell somebody, welcome to the wilderness. Of course you are alone. You're not doing what all them do any longer. Of course, you feel like you're by yourself. You're not drinking like all your friends drink. You're not partying like all your friends party. Of course, you're by yourself. I remember when I first got saved and I was battling because I had all these friends I was partying with. And now that I'm saved, I only have like five friends. It was like my cousin and my sister and my sister's little friend and my parents and my aunts and my uncles. I didn't have any friends. All my friends were unbelievers. And I remember one day I was crying. I was going, Lord, I have no friends and I'm all by myself and I gave up everything to follow you and why does nobody like you and I'm, I'm complaining and I'm complaining and I'm going Lord I need a word I need something I didn't realize that I was in the wilderness hello somebody and then I opened the Bible I said Lord you got to speak to me now I'm on the verge of going back I'm on the verge of quitting I'm on the verge of going back to the party scene and I opened up my Bible to first Peter 4 4 and you know what first Peter 4 4 says it says of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So what do they do? They slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands and judges everybody, both the living and the dead. Peter says, why are you complaining? And you're going, oh, my family doesn't understand and they think I'm crazy. Peter says, of course they think you're crazy. You no longer plunge and you're no longer at the parties and you no longer drink. Of course they think you're nuts. Well, Isaiah, I feel lonely. Welcome to the broad road. Jesus never said that this would be a road of popularity or having tons of friends. But he says that even in the wilderness, I will be with you. Come on, it's time to come clean tonight. Even in the wilderness, I am going to be with you. The wilderness is where you kill the mindset that you had in Egypt or the mindset will eventually kill you. This is where you have to cling on to God and rely on God like you've never rely on God. This is where the enemy tries to tempt you. Didn't the enemy come to Jesus in the wilderness? He said, make these stones bread, give into the flesh. He said, bow down to me. You don't have to go to the cross. You could take the easy road friend, understand that when the devil tempted Jesus, he tempted him with the short road. He said, if you bow down, I'll give you all the kingdoms. He wasn't talking about natural kingdoms. He was talking about supernatural kingdoms. Jesus was already going to overthrow every supernatural kingdom on the cross. And what the devil was tempting Jesus with within the wilderness was Jesus take the short route. You don't have to go to the cross. You can just bow down and I'll give you what you're going to earn from on the cross. 
the enemy wants you to take the short route but God is saying stay on the long road stay in this thing for the long haul understand that if you can't handle the wilderness you will never handle the promise I'm starting to enjoy the wilderness I'm 10 years into this thing and I'm starting to be excited about the wilderness and here's what I've come to find about it is that it might be frustrating it might be tough it might be rough and I might get tired but it's where God dwells come on everybody share this we're going to see that even in the roughest times God would be with them like never before he said I'll be with you like a pillar of of, uh, I'll be with you like a cloud in the day and I'll be with you like fire at night the Lord is with us even in the wilderness and understand that we never graduate out God is trying to kill something in us some of you say why am I living in this wilderness and you feel like you've been there for years let me tell you why you you spend extended amount of times in the wilderness it's because you are not willing to let God kill what he wants to kill in you some of you have spent an extended amount of time in the long road because you've not allowed God to develop something in you you spent years addicted to pornography you've spent years addicted to different pleasures and different vices and 10 years go by and you're still struggling and the Lord says I can't take you where I want to take you because you're not willing to come clean and say Lord I need you to break this secret sin in my life I need you to break this compromise and this carnality I'm tired of living my life as a closet secret Christian some of you need to stop thinking that you're undercover agents for God and say it's time for me to go public with what I believe it's time for us to begin to get unashamed about the gospel that God has put in our life stop being ashamed stop apologizing I don't want to hear people apologizing oh I just want to apologize this is a little bit too no do not apologize on the path that God has you on you might be on the long road now and just thank God on the long way thank God in the wilderness thank God that he took you the roundabout way thank God that he avoided collisions and avoided crashes I'm telling you tonight is the night where God is going to show up with fire and God is going to show up with power and God is going to do a new thing come on let's begin to pray father we ask you all of those, God, that feel like they're in the wilderness right now, all of those that feel like they are wandering, all of those that feel confused. I know many of you have wrote me, say, Isaiah, I feel like I'm in a wilderness. I feel confused in my ministry. I feel confused in my church. I don't know what path to take or what direction to go. I hear the Lord saying, I'm getting ready to show up like a pillar of fire in the wilderness. I'm getting ready to direct your path. I'm getting ready to make every wrong thing right. I'm getting ready to renew you, to restore you, and to heal you. For some of you that are on the long way route, I came to tell you, do not be discouraged about the long road. Do not be discouraged about the trials. Do not be discouraged. God says, even now, I'm getting ready to strengthen you. Some of you need healing in your body, and the Lord says, tonight, I'm getting ready to heal your body. I'm getting ready to restore your mind. I'm getting ready to bring breakthrough right now over your physical body. Right now, in the name of Jesus we bind every sickness in the name of Jesus we bind every demonic power and we bind every demonic force that's tried to hold you down every voice that's tried to discourage you 
We come against it now in Jesus' name. Every every voice that's tried to get you to be silent, every voice that's tried to get you to be calm, every voice that's tried to get you to be ashamed, every voice that doesn't want you to hear the word of God, every voice that's trying to draw you out of the secret place, we bind it now in the name of Jesus. I hear the Lord saying, I'm calling somebody into the secret place. Some of you, the Lord is saying, stop treating prayer like it's a spare tire and start treating prayer like it's a steering wheel. Start letting your prayer life begin to steer your life. Start letting the fire begin to direct you and begin to guide you. God says, I'm giving you power over your enemies. I'm giving you power to battle those things that are squatting in the territory that I'm trying to get you. You got to understand that our God is the God that goes before us and fights the battle. Father, right now we pray your Holy Spirit fire. Right now we pray your Holy Spirit anointing right now. I come against every spirit of anxiety in Jesus' name. I come against every spirit of depression now. You must come off the people of God in Jesus' name. They are not your house. These are temples of the Holy Ghost. And we speak freedom over you right now. I speak to somebody's marriage right now and I say be healed and be saved in the name of Jesus. I know some of you ladies have been praying for your husband. And I say, man of God, it's time for you to rise up in Jesus' name. It's time for you to get your boldness back in Jesus' name. Some of you have slid back and you've gone back to Egypt. Some of you tried taking the short route and you saw that the battle was intense and you went right back to Egypt. And the Lord says, I didn't want you to go back. I want to bring you back out. And God says, tonight I'm bringing you out of bondage once again. Tonight I'm bringing you out of Egypt once again. Tonight I'm turning your tears into laughter. I'm turning your mourning into joy. I'm getting ready to do a new thing. Come on right now, Father, we ask you, that you would do a new thing. God, we are praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we've never seen before. We pray right now that, God, you would fill your people with power. You'd fill your people with a fresh anointing. We thank you that you've given us you've given us every spiritual blessing. And so, Father, we pray that you would release passion, you release fire, and you'd release power over your people in the name of Jesus. We say, arise, come out of your ashes, come out of your depression, come out of your anxiety. We speak a supernatural hunger in you. I know there's many people that aren't hungry. They're not desperate. They couldn't sit through an hour long preaching if their life depended on it. But the Lord says some of you here, he's releasing a new spiritual hunger. He's releasing a new spiritual desperation. I pray that you would have such a hunger for God's word. I pray that you'd have such a hunger for the place of prayer. I pray that you would not be able to get enough of his presence, that there would be a holy addiction to the presence of God. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.